This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Hello and welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Sanjeev Kalita, editor in chief at Money 2020, and I'm joined by Gary Dempsey, content leader in the EU. How are things in the UK, Gary? Things are going really well, thanks. After seemingly weeks and weeks of rain, the sun has finally come out here in London, and it feels so good finally being able to go outside and ride my bike to a workout too. Ah, uh, yes, I remember. You're a fellow cyclist. It felt so good getting back on my bike after what felt like a very long winter locked up inside. One hundred percent. I have really tried to keep on top of my exercise throughout the many lockdowns that have happened here in England, but it's not that easy when we're all trapped inside our homes. It also doesn't help when you have to look at yourself on a webcam for hours every day on video calls, so that you can see every wrinkle or extra bit of weight that you put on. <laughs> Tell me about it. The pandemic has really forced people to get used to all of their flaws and imperfections. Yeah, I was actually reading something from my sister company WGSN, which surprised me. When the pandemic started, sales and makeup products declined pretty dramatically, which you would expect, right? But sales and skincare products actually began to rise. There's obviously a number of reasons for this, but a big contributing factor was the fact that people were seeing their own skin pretty close up on a regular basis. So the pandemic actually made people realize that their skincare routines weren't as healthy as perhaps they could or should be. Well, it's not just people that have their flaws exposed by conditions of the pandemic. You might remember I spoke to Form Three a few weeks ago. Ah, yes, all about how the pandemic has pushed banks towards digitization. And how hard, but how necessary that process is. Yeah, forty-four percent of banks, according to a study by Publicis Sapient, a lot of flaws were exposed by the pandemic. But I'm glad you listened to that episode. Are you kidding me? I'd never miss an episode of this show. Well, we were very interested in finishing what we started. We talked to Form Three's Nick Middleton, their program director, and so we thought we would explore that a little more and find out how to make that process easier and more reliable. And ask where this could end up if and when all banks have to become digital first throughout their entire infrastructure. If I remember correctly, there was a great analogy Nick used when describing the process of a bank replatforming. But it was like fixing a plane in midair, right? Let's have a little refresher. Roland, roll that audio. We tend to say that migrating your payments infrastructure is a bit like trying to change the engine on a 747 when it's flying along at forty thousand feet. It's not easy, and if you get it wrong, it could be disastrous. So,、um, any type of migration, no matter what it is, big or small, needs to be well planned.、Um, we never recommend a a big bang approach as opposed to a phased approach. So, what we're talking about today isn't just about the process of digitizing. It's about how to make that process simpler and more reliable. How to succeed at rebuilding your plane while flying it. Exactly. Fortunately, digitizing plans have a slightly higher success rate than replacing a plane engine in midair. But the number of banks that fail at that process is still sixty percent, which is not a great number in any context. The only context I know where you can fail sixty percent of the time and still be considered a legend is baseball. Those are Ted Williams numbers. Sanjeev, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. I'm from <laughs> Europe, <laughs> but I do know that sixty percent failure in fintech is a non-starter. It's got to be pretty scary for a bank to start this process, knowing that the chances are so slim. Yeah, but one of the key parts of succeeding here is if you're going to do it, you really have to commit. 
Nick told me about how a lot of banks try too hard to maintain a level of control, and that doesn't really serve them. So one of the most common issues that, that banks have is that there's a perception that you're giving up control of a solution to provide a core service to your customers. Payments is at the heart of what a, what a bank does. If you can't move money around for your customers and the, the, that you service, then you're, ne- you're not going to be in business for very long. And that there is a perception that an on-premise solution that you run gives you more control. That really isn't something that is true. You probably have more control over what we're doing for you than you than you would yourselves. So what are these banks trying to achieve by maintaining control? Well, some banks worry that by sharing their core infrastructure with a partner, that could create security risks. But Nick pointed out that this simply isn't the case. When you look at the, the security and the resilience that we get in the clouds that we run, uh, 99 times out of 100, they're more secure and resilient than, than what you've got in your data centers. So it's overcoming some of these perceptions that you're handing over control of, of something just simply because it's not installed on your premises anymore. Um, that's simply not the case. And it's important to realize that and uh, work with your risk and compliance teams to realize that this is, is as safe, if not much safer, than, than what you've done in the past. Cloud has been around for a while now. Amazon's AWS came out 15 years ago, and Apple's iCloud came out almost 10 years ago. What's new here? Well, we're not just talking about uploading photos to an online server somewhere. We're talking about rebuilding your entire business infrastructure on the cloud, every process, every data point, which is exactly what Nick is advocating. We asked him to give us the tips to make a successful digitizing plan. So tip one is to consider the difference between cloud-native and cloud-based. Cloud-native is something that's built from day one to be run in a cloud. And you get a lot of advantages with that. Uh, You tend to to build much smaller chunks of code that can then be reused and kept upgraded much more simply. So that's that's a real important difference between um, a cloud-based, i.e. traditional software deployed on a cloud and something built from day one for the cloud. so when, you, when you're looking at a cloud-native supplier, there are a number of different things that you'd want to look at. Um, one is, does it perform the functions that you need as a business? Um, and what you'll tend to find with a lot of cloud-native suppliers is they might not have the full end-to-end functionality that you'd get with a, a, a very traditional uh, company that's been around for a long time, but they do offer a, a much greater level of of capability in the functionality that they deliver. I spoke about this in my talk at the last MoneyFest in April when I became a fintech weatherman talking about the future. I predicted that clouds should be in your future and also about how simply taking your existing software to the cloud would only provide limited benefits. I remember that weatherman segment, actually. I also remember you talking about some of the different options when thinking about cloud. If you don't go native, you won't be able to take full advantage of scalability and resource management, which are some of the biggest cloud benefits. Another is resiliency, which Nick also talked about. You could have multiple availability zones within a single region, and you can also have multiple regions with multiple availability zones within those regions. Further, you could even have an active-active setup across two different clouds. So take, for example, Amazon Web Services and uh, Google Cloud. Uh, we're actually working on a solution that allows us to, to deliver an active-active solution across two different clouds. Now, why is that important? Um, 
these clouds are very resilient. They tend not to go down, but it doesn't mean that they don't go down. So that provides unbelievably strong resilience and disaster recovery capability in the event that one of these clouds stops working for whatever reason, even if it's just for five minutes. That makes a lot of sense. Redundancy in tech speak or backups in normal speak is a common strategy with non-cloud computing architectures. The distributed nature of cloud systems actually makes it easier to use this strategy. As they say, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Other key pieces include testing and integration. It's probably the least sexy part of fintech, but it's actually the most important. Ain't that the truth? Switching systems can be an amazingly painful process, and Nick talked about how they approach it. Depending on how your, your organization is structured, we will work with you to, to design and develop a custom migration process. You know, there are certain rules and regulations that we need to follow in the, the different schemes that we support. You know, so, for example, you can't have two faster payments gateways running at the same time. So how do you direct the traffic from the scheme to the appropriate gateway as it comes in? We will work with you to make sure that that is done as seamlessly as possible and allows you to, to test and prove in a live production environment that your new system works. It's really important that you do that before you move all your traffic over. Having, having that confidence that all of the payments that you expect to be sent in to be received have been sent and received. And to that point, you, may, you might just start to move outbound traffic over onto the new system. You might decide just to, to, to move the inbound traffic over to the new system. It, it really depends on um, what it is that you have and what your risk appetite for, uh, for trans, transferring from one system to the other is. This reminds me of the adage, trust but verify. This is the step that allows you to be nimble and alter your plan slightly if there's a hitch. And that goal is exactly what to keep in mind from the beginning and all the way through the transformation process. Nick took me through the steps to make sure everything is fit for purpose. At the start of a project, what we'll do is define uh, what it is that you're, you're hoping to achieve. And when we do that, we'll, we'll define some, some key milestones and some key performance indicators that we'll, we'll check all along the way. Um, it's not something we wait to check at the end. It's something that we like to do and make sure that we have constant checkpoints throughout the, the entire onboarding process with Form 3. So depending on what it is you're doing, i.e. is it a greenfield implementation, are you a new neobank, or are you a large uh, existing bank in the geographies that we serve that wants to migrate onto our service? For all parts of the program, whether that be the, um, the planning, the onboarding, or the operational run, we'll make sure that we've defined those, those key milestones and those key performance indicators with you and that we have a, a way to quantify and measure those as we progress through the onboarding. Different organizations have different requirements and goals. Also, different applications require different approaches. One thing to call out here is that while many financial institutions have implemented cloud, it's often started at the periphery while core mission-critical applications remain on existing platforms like mainframe or client-server. I think we're starting to enter a point where cloud computing will seriously be considered for mission-critical applications as well. 
Positive experiences with cloud implementations at the edge puts the customer, i.e. the banks, at ease and gives greater confidence that they can continue on this path. It also makes the start of the process less daunting, and time is of the essence. 85% of banks have been pushed by the pandemic into prioritizing digitalization. 29% have made a plan to invest in cloud technology. And it is important to start now because this process obviously doesn't happen overnight. And the first step on the journey, the commitment to it, is the process that takes the longest. You know, for a big bank, it could be six months or it could be two years. It just depends on uh, what else you have happening in your change schedule and how quickly you can do everything that you need to do as the bank to make those API calls and onboard to our service. But we tend to find that the the onboarding time is limited by the bank's ability to onboard rather than Form 3's ability to provide the service as quickly as the bank needs. In the end, the process starts with a little leap of faith. Sometimes I wonder if the pandemic hasn't asked all of us to move on leaps of faith. I got the vaccine as soon as it was available to me. I trust that the scientists who developed it have acted with good intent and miraculous speed to save lives and get us all back to living. And as we talk about the new normal, maybe our fears to act has been replaced by understanding that inaction doesn't stop change from happening. We can't avoid disruption, but if we are smart, we can ride it to the next level. And that is it for this episode of The Money Pot. We'd like to thank Nick Middleton and the team at Form3 for sharing their insights. We would also like to thank our producer, the audio god, Roland Bodenham. We are very excited about seeing you live in Amsterdam on September 21st to 23rd and in Vegas from October 24th to 27th. Well, if Roland's the audio god, I guess that makes us audio priestesses and priests. Tickets to both shows are available now at money2020.com. And if you like The Money Pot, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Vegas, so tell us how much you want to be part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.